Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And this week, we are covering heinous hardware cases. Yes, we are. In the case that we have today, this dude used his amazing carpentry skills for some heinous, heinous acts. Such a shame. What a waste of skill. All right. So how I want to start this off is by putting a plug in for... My main source, I used a lot of articles as well, which will be linked in the show notes, but the best source that I found was the book, The Perfect Victim, written by Christine McGuire, who was actually the prosecutor for this case. Oh, wow. And Carla Norton. And you guys, if this stuff interests you, which you're listening to a true crime podcast, I'm sure it does, this book was amazing. And it gives... A lot of really descriptive events of the abuse and torture that Colleen went through that I'm not going to say on a podcast because, first of all, there's not enough alcohol in the world to cleanse my palate after Mm -hmm. saying some of those things. But I just also think that there's other ways that we can really get to the nitty gritty and give you a picture of what happened to her without being so descriptive that we're traumatizing people. Plus your co-host is a huge baby. Right, right. She can't handle all of that. Um, kind of like how I couldn't handle paranormal things, but I <laughs> got all, through it. We all have our, our vices. But no, I just don't think that it's necessary to always go into really gruesome, gross detail. I agree. I agree. I'll definitely give enough that you're intrigued. But if you want the absolute play-by-play nitty-gritty, that's so that, the book for that you. that book goes mm-hmm. into all of the, yep. the graphic details. This is the case and story of Colleen Stan. Some of you have maybe heard of it before. She's also known as the girl in the box, hence why we're covering her this week for our theme. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is a profound case, that's for sure. I want to begin, however, with the life of who become our perpetrators, actually, Janice and Cameron Hooker, to okay. give you some background. So Janice was the youngest of four kids born in 1957, She didn't have a traumatic childhood, but her parents didn't really give her much attention at all. Her dad especially didn't pay her much mind. Uh, Later, Janice says that she believes the reason for her dad's distance was because she actually had an epileptic condition as a young child. And her dad made many references to believing that her seizures were actually a sign of possession by demons. Well, we've been here before. Haven't we? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. And so he had a really hard time bonding with her. Oh, wow. So it's like he didn't mistreat her. He just didn't really acknowledge her. her. Yep. Yep. Kept her at a distance. Didn't give her the love and affection that she needed as a child. And unfortunately, she also did not get that from her mother either. Mm. It appeared as though the only attention that her mom gave her was for discipline purposes or to bring her down, like tell her how disappointed she was in her and those sorts of things. So it wasn't. She didn't have physical abuse. She didn't have the sexual abuse that we've seen in a lot of these cases. But, I mean, the name of the book is The Perfect Victim, and it's actually referring to Colleen Stan. But 
as you'll see as this goes on, it could apply to Janice Hooker as well. Because I do think that her childhood, her neglectful emotional part of her childhood made her to be the perfect victim for Cameron as well. Gotcha. Okay. Janice's older sister, Lisa, was primarily responsible for caring for her. And her mother, like I said, only paid attention to her when she was mean to her and and needed to be the disciplinarian and whatnot. She would tell her she was stupid a lot. Mm, Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's that's the gist on Janice. I'm not going to go into too much detail. I just wanted to give you a, a overview here. Now, a little bit about Cameron Hooker. He was born November 5th, 1953 in California to Harold and Lorena. They moved around a ton and he had a brother. They really him and his brother really did not have a lot of opportunity to create any lasting friendships with people because they, they moved so, so frequently. Mm-hmm. And which can cause some problems, attachment issues oh, and whatnot sure. later on. But but really, that's all that I could say that was tragic about his childhood. He had a very nuclear, normal family. Aside from the moving and the inability to create friends and lasting relationships, he did not suffer from the traumatic childhoods that we typically see. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, what ends up happening is his parents settle in Red Bluff, California when Cameron was 16. So he finally has the opportunity to settle down, to make friends, but that's not really what he decided to do. And by, by the age of 16, though, if you haven't built those skills, those social skills, it would, it would be difficult to start at, have that starting point. What he did start to do at 16, as many teenagers do, is he began to explore his sexuality. This becomes a very important part of the case. He was really into bondage and BDSM type sexual experiences. And the reason that I bring this up is because later in the trial, the defense try to use this community, the BDSM community, as to say why he did the things that he did, that he ends Mm. up doing. And I just want to make it clear now that that there's a distinction and that's not what the part of the community that he belonged to. I don't belong to the BDSM community by any means at all. So I'm not going to sit here and try to be an expert on it. Mm -hmm. But I do know that the biggest thing is consent and that is not what Cameron Hooker was looking for. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference there. Yes. He, to have the bondage experience and whatnot, again, not my thing, but it's many of people's kink and that is totally fine. But they will all tell you that the biggest piece to it is a mutual con- consent. Yeah, like we both want to do yes. this. And that is completely the opposite of what Cameron Hooker was after now was he seeking that specifically out um the unwillingness yes of his victims yes because he liked that yes, resistance that, or yep okay. that was part of his fantasy okay yep and it just wouldn't do because you know there's ads like you can take ads out for like a that's horrible to say but like a rape fantasy and act those sorts of things out he was not interested in that plus those would cost money he was like i want the real deal yes yep mm, okay so what the defense tries to do later, and you can really read about it in the book, was not that that wasn't appropriate. Janice and Cameron met while Janice was only 15 years old and still in high school. Cameron's older. He was 19. Mm, okay. Cameron doted upon her. He really made her feel special, gave her attention that she was craving. Now, keep in mind, she is 15. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much 
the classic beginning of a grooming relationship because he was giving her the love and attention that she did not get as a child. She's finally getting some kind of affection Mm -hmm. in some way. Felt like she was the center of his universe and attention for once. That's never happened to her Mm -hmm. before. So she was very impressionable, as 15-year-olds are, for sure. So now, January 1975, Janice's parents actually let her marry Cameron because they liked him so much. Wow. I would argue it had less to do with liking him and more to do with, sure, take her off our hands. I was, we never really paid attention to her anyway. I was thinking that, too, but I didn't want to, you know, assume Yep. That- Yeah, they didn't really do much with her anyway. They were probably like, yeah, take her. Yeah. Well, and interestingly enough, her sister wanted to get married at 16, but her family said no. Really? Yep. And that connection was not lost on Janice. The fact that they wouldn't let her sister get married at 16, but let her do it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what she ends up doing is dropping out of school. And getting married. Can I ask, does Janice ever talk about that piece, like being aware that her sister couldn't yeah. get married? Yeah. Yep. That had to have been she, really hurtful. For sure. She brings it up. Mm-hmm. Janice was not into the bondage that Cameron was. Mm-hmm. All right. But he groomed her with his reassurances that it was safe. And then here's the kicker he brought up past girlfriends claiming that they were willing to do it for him, mm. preying on her vulnerability. They did it for yep. me. And wanting, I mean, he. she wants, she's in a position where she wants Cameron to like her. Mm-hmm. And he literally at one point was like, listen, if you're not into this and you won't let me do these things to you, then we probably aren't going to make it. Oh, Cameron is a scrub. Oh, he is so much worse than, than he gets so much worse. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm already... Not liking him. You're about to really not like him with my next sentence. When I'm saying bondage, these are the types of things that Cameron Hooker was into. He would take Janice into the woods and hang her by trees with handcuffs that he had made himself. Oh my gosh. He wanted to dip her into a river and when she, she, which she resisted to and was like, no, I'm not into this. But of course he plays her again with the whole, well, my other girlfriends let me do it and it was safe and blah, blah, blah. The first time he did this, she almost drowned. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, dip her into the river like what? there was some kind of sexual fantasy yes. with it. Like, yes. I'm going to dip you in the stream. And... Yes. Okay. And while she's bound. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Gotcha. That, it's that. Uh-huh. Like, watch her struggle type of thing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And it's just so, ugh, it's so bad. Yeah, so it's just really hard for you and I to fathom something like this but when you put yourself in this young vulnerable girl's position Mm -hmm. and she has this man that she loves that's telling her it'll be safe it'll be fine but then here's the kicker when he's done he cuddles her he shows her deep Mm -hmm. affection it's like the sick so like oh he'll give me the love if i do these things for him which to me it sounds like some kind of torture Oh, it absolutely, he does. He absolutely enjoys torture, as you'll see later. Yeah, it's like bondage, or is it just some sick sense of torturing that person? Because she didn't want to do it. No, no, not at all. And he enjoyed the fact that she didn't want Mm -hmm. to do it. Poor Janice. Yes, and then he got her to do it, but then would give her exact, she knew, she literally said, if she could just get through that, 
she then she would get yeah she would get the tenderness and the love and everything that she loved about him it was like in the mo- in those sexual moments he wasn't the person she fell in love with mm-hmm. but she knew he would become that person as soon as it was over and he did oh wow he was a master or is i should say a master master manipulator oh for sure not a master masturbator a master master <laughs> manipulator cuz i did almost just say that <laughs> Three masters Um, is a big big deal. (laughs) Well, after the two were married, she really got tired of this bondage stuff. And she wanted a baby. And she knew she couldn't continue to endure this with a child and especially pregnant. She does. There are pictures. He liked, of course, he liked to take pictures to relive it. His trophies, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And there were pictures of him, uh, or I mean, of her hanging from trees while pregnant. (sighs) Okay. Yeah. Stop. Uh, I, I cannot. Oh the my. show must go on, Amber. <laughs> okay. I will I will remain strong. I am getting very upset with Cameron. Yes. The problem is, is that he is addicted to this kind of sex. And she no longer wants to endure it. Mm-hmm. All right. And she wants to have a baby. They're in like this stalemate. He's got a huge collection of pornography. And when I say huge, I mean picture all the porn he mm. just like has all, all, all the of the porn resources and actually don't you're looking me in the eye right now please don't picture all the porn <laughs> i can't while you're looking at me i feel like that's not appropriate. but at the when was this again the the time frame it was in the oh this like, is in the 70s okay so we've got mm-hmm. like the dirty you know, mustache porn dirt, yes yeah. <laughs> that's what we've got the unshaven yeah. like all of the magazines yes yeah. okay but it gets even even worse because he gets into some real dark pornography. We're talking female slavery dark mm, shit. Okay. Like the dark web the, today yes, stuff. Yes, exactly. Okay. Cult-like gross. Okay. Just think female, unwilling female sex slave. Mm, okay. That's what he's, that's where his fantasy life is at and is taking him. He started doing what I call... A mental fuck you to Janice. He would threaten her. I mean, he was also physically violent with her too. Mm. But a lot of what he did was, besides the physical violence, was tell her if she didn't cooperate exactly how he was going to kill her and get away with it. Wow. I mean, he really. So this is getting for the mental and physical fuck. You know. Oh yeah. It was all sorts of out of control. He was literally the textbook definition of a, a battering partner, mm-hmm. you know. He kept her isolated from her family and friends, of course, and really kept her what I feel like is in a, a position in life below him. I mean, in his mind. But he wanted her to believe that, too. Mm-hmm. And she did. Like, you are nothing without me mm. sort of thing. That's, of course. That was yeah. the mind control, okay? Things are escalating more and more, and he's becoming more and more obsessed with the idea of a sex slave. We've seen this in relationships before when they take the fantasy and want to turn it into a reality. So Janice made Cameron a deal. If she could have a baby, he could have a sex slave. Just not her. Just not her. So, you know, that seems fair, right? Right? Uh, She's probably just so sick and tired of being abused and tortured that she's like, I can't do this anymore. I want to. And he's not letting her have what he wants, so she knows... Basically, I'm going to have to manipulate him into getting what I want as well. Mm -hmm. He wants to keep doing this, but I don't want to keep endearing it. And I want to have a baby. So if I tell him he can have a sex slave like he wants, I can get my baby. 
and maybe he'll stop doing mm-hmm. this shit to me too. I mean, uh-huh. maybe not the best person to have a child with, but probably not. These are the times. She's young, mm-hmm. and she's young, and she still probably has some sense of love for him. Yes, of course. So, yeah. and I think I did mention, I did already mention this that even when pregnant, he still forced her to do these things. Mm-hmm. But she had terms to their deal. He could have this sex slave, but he was not allowed to use any penetration. Okay. Honey. So it's like, do all of the this, things, yes, but, but just this don't. is where I draw the line. Don't stick your tiny penis <laughs> into anyone's orifices. It's not cheating as long as you don't Correct. penetrate someone Talk else. Talk about some serious messed up. And, and you know she probably, or that he probably convinced her that if you love this me, isn't right and like this isn't penetrate. this isn't cheating because i'm not penetrating right right like i don't know how many times i've randomly heard crude men say things like oh it's just a blow job or it was just blah blah like i don't do have any feelings attached to that penetration right okay? right still yeah. not oh, okay so crazy and okay honestly with everything that's going on and the fact that she's literally talking to him about taking a sex slave against their will Penetration, I would say, would be the last of my concerns. Uh, right. <laughs> but that's where her mind was at. For her, that was And it's, that it's was so hard because it's like, I feel so many things for Janice as a victim of this. Then I'm kind of like, Janice, come on. You're going like, to... And just be prepared to have those, that vacillating feeling teetering back time. and forth for Janice. The whole time. The whole time. Okay. But try to keep perspective that she was very young and that there was a ton of manipulation mm-hmm. and that she was being threatened and physically abused and everything this whole time as well. For sure. But it's going to be real hard in a little bit to feel sorry for Jess. Right, I'm going to put my seatbelt on here. <laughs> Cameron did not want a willing person to engage in his, in his fantasies. That would require someone to be paid is what his argument was to Janice as well. Like, we don't have the money to pay. Okay, but real in turn, that wasn't, he never, ever wanted somebody consenting at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why Janice wasn't good enough for him. You know, and he wanted, kept talking about this idea of taking a sex slave and all this stuff because Janice was willing because he manipulated right. her into being willing. Right. So it's not meeting that fantasy of the, the way that it resistance mm-hmm. of someone. Yes. So he starts taking photos of random women, and at home, he was building all kinds of scary shit to keep his sex slave in. Mm. One thing that really gets me about this guy is that he really was quite intelligent, first of all, with the way that he manipulates the world, but then... He is really damn good at building stuff. Oh, so we we have some like, some, he's carpentry got some carpentry skills. skills. Like, dude, you could have went into the trade, right? And you could instead, have done good things with yeah, your skills for sure. You could have used it for good, not for what you end up the sick pleasure you end up using it for. He also made a dark room in his basement mm, because, awesome. of course. You know, you can't have some of the photos that he's been taken developed at Walgreens. No. Oh, so he was going to do his own photos because he, he had did. to have those. He did. He did his own photos. Yeah. He ends up he ends up taking pictures of a lot of women that he was, like, scoping out after she That's gave the go. flipping terrifying yeah. to me. Oh, yeah. That he's Especially out there. this day and age with mm-hmm. the use of cameras and stuff. I just You probably don't even want to know how many people have pictures of you without you This is you why every time I go into a store now I'm like, check one, check two. At the back, like I'm all on high alert this all the time. This is why I go looking like a troll. <laughs> That's my excuse. Less likely to get kidnapped. People don't want to kidnap trolls. They don't. So. When I look like I just crawled out from underneath a bridge, no. <laughs> Asking them what the password is to pass, 
No one wants to kidnap me like that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just so scary to think that he, this person, this yep. horrible person, is out there, like, out there like, which one am I going to choose? Yes, and that's mm. what he was. He was on the prowl after from the moment that she said it was okay to go ahead with this. So one of the, some of the things that he was building is he built a box to place over his victims' heads. He had a torture rack, like a real actual rack to <sighs> torture and okay. stretch women out on. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Hooks were installed in the ceiling to hang women from. Now Just is, is Janice like watching this stuff getting built? Like holy shit! Janice is just upstairs taking care of the house, gestating a baby, doing the mo- okay. The whole... She's just like I'm not going downstairs. Yeah, she's doing the wifey thing, staying out of his way because she would probably get beat mm-hmm. if she mm-hmm. tried to intervene at this point. Just picture the scariest medieval environment imaginable, and that's what he built in his mm. basement. Okay. So that's that's your picture on Cameron, the you know, the life of Janice and Cameron and how they met and what their relationship is like. Now I'm gonna take you to Colleen Stan, who ends up being the the biggest victim here. The victim? Mm-hmm. Okay. Colleen Stan was born to Jack and Evelyn Stan, December 31st, 1956. She's the oldest of three daughters. She was raised in Riverside, California. She was really poetic and creative, but she did not like school. That really stifled her creativity. Mm, Okay. She dropped out at 16 because she was in love with a man. So there are some parallels between Janice and Colleen Mm -hmm. in that. I can see that. She got married and dropped out of school. So again, just like Janice, right? She moved away from her family. Family. But within, like, a year, she was divorced and moved back because, you know, 16. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work yeah, out. Yeah, sometimes young love does not last. Right. They're not like my mom and dad who've been together since they were 13 and still that going strong. Yes. Yes. So doesn't always work out. So she returned home to California. She met a couple from Oregon named Bob and Alice, and they had a two-year-old little girl. She really hit it off with them, and they all got a place together in Oregon, actually. They were just like, we like you as a person, so you can come live with us. Come live with us. Help take care of our two-year-old. Oh, nice. I want a family to adopt me at almost 38. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Life would be easier. (laughs) If you're a millionaire, that would be great, too. I'll I'll leave my number Just saying. (laughs) DM me. On the site, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. No, that's okay. That was funny. I was picturing the headline. Totally normal 37-year-old woman looking to be adopted. (laughs) By loving family. Yes. (laughs) Must have pets. Yes, Yes, it could work. Thursday, May 19th, 1977. Colleen had planned to head out to California to surprise her friend Linda for Linda's birthday. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind she was surprising her. Linda didn't know she was coming. Okay. The plan was that Bob and Alice would drive her part way, and then she would hitchhike the rest of the way to Linda's house, as we've seen uh, time and time again yes. in the 70s. But it was a thing. It, it was. was a thing. We're not throwing stones. No, we are not. So Bob and Alice drove drove her until she was about 100 miles away from Westwood, which is where she was going, and dropped her off on the highway, which for a second... <laughs> Can you Sorry. imagine? I know. Well, that's about the end of the road for us. Right. <laughs> I'm picturing Best us. Best of luck to you. I know. I'm picturing us on I-94. Like, see ya, Amber. Right. Godspeed, honey. Watch out for all those This is trucks. as far as we go. Yep. So stay off to the side. 
Peace out. As you walk. Yep. Oh, my God. And the plan was, so this was a Thursday, and the plan was that she was going to get back home to Oregon by Saturday. Just a, just a hitchhike? Yeah, and they weren't oh. picking her up to take her back. It was, you're going to hitchhike the last hundred miles, then you're going to hitchhike your ass all the way home. What a time to be alive. You know? It's just that's how they did things. Like, okay. And how many times did this pan out for people a lot that they're just like, this is a normal thing, yes. you know? And yeah. she just walks through the door on Saturday like, hey, I met some interesting people. It's like scheduling an Uber these days. Yes. Like, well, and you're just going to stick that thumb out and you're going to get somebody to take you on home there you go like i said her plan was return on saturday just a little short trip when colleen did not return home on saturday they didn't panic and thought that perhaps she just decided to make her trip a bit longer extra long hitchhiking route yeah well and colleen's mother lived around there so she was like it makes sense that colleen would probably go and see her mom Mm -hmm. right make it you know two birds one stone as they say yeah so alice decides she's gonna call colleen's mom evelyn check in Evelyn was like, uh, no, no, I've not seen Colleen. Why would I have seen her? She wasn't, nobody knew she was coming. She was surprising Linda, remember? Mm -hmm. So Evelyn's like, um, no. So Evelyn decides to call the police in Westwood, California to ask them to check in with Linda. Okay, like, hey, can you get a, can you Mm -hmm. do a welfare check for me? Yeah, do me a solid. Mm -hmm. Because Linda didn't have a phone. So it's not like, which is another reason why she was surprising her. It's not like she could very well call her and be like, hey, girl, yeah. going to meet Coming up for over. your birthday. Mm-hmm. The police did. They made contact and they learned that Linda never saw Colleen. Mm-hmm. Linda's like, so she never what? made it. Nope. In order to answer what happened to her, we have to go back to Thursday, May 19th, after her friends had dropped her off on the highway. We know that Colleen accepted two rides that day. The first one was really uneventful and went as usual. Now, Colleen believed herself to be a really, really good judge of character. Okay. She was very cautious with hitchhiking Mm -hmm. and she had actually declined two rides that day as well because they didn't feel right. She got the vibe. She got some vibes. One of them was super obvious because it was a car full of younger men. Oh. And so, yeah, she was like, okay, hard pass, not happening. Thank you. Next pulls up a blue two-door Dodge Colt with a younger-looking man driving in, and in the passenger seat was a woman with a baby in her Don't arms. Don't you tell me. Don't you tell me it was them. Now. You guys are all smart true crime lovers. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that the driver of the blue Dodge Colt was Cameron Hooker and his wife Janice with their infant daughter. I literally wrote that sentence, so I love that you're like, don't you tell me. Don't you tell me. (laughs) Here's the problem. Colleen felt that they were much safer because she's got a a woman and a baby. Who who could resist an innocent little bebet? Yes, the bebet. There's, there's a buffet. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, yeah, this ingrown hair used his infant daughter. I'm always, like, I'm never prepared for the, the names, and I, I appreciate that. I did not write that one down ahead of time. I just was like, what is the most obnoxious thing that could be right now? And it's, <laughs> it's an, an ingrown ingr- hair. deeply rooted ingrown hair. The kind hair. that pus. Yes. Yeah. That's him. That is Cameron Hooker. Okay, okay. And he uses his freaking infant daughter as a ploy to pick up his sex slave and make them feel safer because who would kidnap someone with a baby in the car sure 
And I get it. She's yep. probably like, oh, it's a little family. Yep. I'm good. I'm yeah. fine. I probably would have gotten that same car, too. Probably. I mean, honestly. Can I hold the baby? Let me see it. For sure. Yeah. I love baby. God, mm-hmm. Babies and puppies. Mm-hmm. Damn it. That's how you kidnap me. Uh-huh. Tacos, too. <laughs> if I'm being honest. If you have the three of them, I have no chance. <laughs> sure. That is how the way to my soul. Yeah. Really. (laughs) Absolutely. So, yeah. So, naturally, she's like, hell yeah, let's do this, you know? And they appeared to be around her age, so even better. At first, things seemed really normal. They make idle chit chat, everything's going good. Then Cameron started talking about some nearby ice caves that his brother had told him about. Oh, not with Uh, the caves. I know, I know. Fucking caves. Not with the caves. So, Colleen told them. All about where she was going, how she was surprising her friend, which to me just sets off these flags of he's like, oh, yeah, no they one's expecting know. her. Yep. No one will know where uh-huh. she's at. Colleen did make note that he kept looking at her in the rearview mirror whenever there was like silence or lull in the conversation. And it really put her on edge because mm-hmm. he's like, I'm just picturing his eyes squinting a little bit and he's like Scoping sizing her up. up. Yeah. They ended up stopping for gas. And Colleen recalled feeling so on edge that she looked in the mirror at the gas station and told herself that she could go right out the bathroom window and run away. Yes, yes, Colleen. Instead, she suppressed that feeling down and got back in the car because they were really close to Westwood where she was going. She's like, you can do this. Just a little bit more. Girl, you can do it. Then, of course, Cameron asks... Do you mind taking a detour to the ice caves that I mentioned? Mm. And I mean, Colleen, like, she's not driving the car. What position is she in to be like, no, I'm supposed to be going to my friends. She felt like she didn't have any. She couldn't say no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She didn't have the right, you know, I mean, sometimes we are so stuck into social cues and social norms that we put ourselves in dangerous positions. It is okay to be a complete dick sometimes mm-hmm. to get yourself out of a bad situation. Like, screw social pressure. Yeah. And, yeah. And just what what our society deems to be acceptable and not. Like, sometimes, uh, tuck and roll if yeah. you have to. Oh, I was thinking, you know, a tuck and roll might have might have been an order. Yeah. In order. Yeah. But instead, she's just like, oh, here's mm-hmm. this girl with a baby and, you know, it's fine. Okay, ice caves sound cool. You know, I mean, yeah, let's go see them. Which ice caves sound cool to me too. They do. I, I probably see them. Me I do. Too. And I, I don't know what situation I would have been. I do know that if he was like, "Let's stop at this food truck," I would have been like, "Fuck yeah, yeah. let's do it." So maybe that's how she felt about ice caves. How I, mean, I feel about feel about food trucks. I don't know. I I agree. I mean, part of me would be like, I want to get to where I'm going. Yeah. But I want to see the ice, yeah, ice caves. Ice caves too. sound cool, too. It sounds like her intuition was starting to kick in like, this guy yeah. is giving me the creeps, but I'm not totally freaked out yet, so we'll just keep pushing right. through. And so when they, they stop, and they are, like, on this random-ass back road dirt. Oh, yeah, we know the ones. Middle of nowhere. Yeah, pick, you know the road. In the you know, middle of, Bob's like... road. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Bob's road. <laughs> and so that's where they are. And the woman gets out, the woman, excuse me, Janice, we mm-hmm. know, gets out, and she's got the baby, and she starts walking towards a stream. And Colleen's kind of like, um, excuse I'm sitting in the back seat. Before <laughs> she had time to, like, me. say anything, Cameron jumps in the back seat. Holds her at knife point. Oh, God. Damn it. Tells her to shut up, put her hands in the air, and he handcuffs her. Oh. Mm-hmm. He blindfolds her, he gags her, and then puts a large fucking wooden box that had been sitting right next to Colleen the entire time over her head. Mm. 
And she had noticed the box, but it's mm-hmm. not. She wasn't going to be like nosy ass, like, "Hey, what's, hey, what's the that box? for?" Here's the th- real freaking kick in the nuts. The box weighed twenty pounds, and it oh. had a latch. Oh my gosh! And it was on her head. And it's on her head. Oh my! It was padded on the inside, so she couldn't see anything. She could barely hear anything. It was pitch black, and so she was having a hard time breathing. I mean, it was oh, that yeah. padded. Yeah. You want to talk about sensory deprivation. Oh, for sure. I would think if someone would have, like, drove by and and saw her in the back with the box, but I'm well, guessing no, that didn't this happen. Is what, no, what we're at, she was forced to lay down in the back seat, and he covered her with her own sleeping bag that she had with her. So no one, you know, questioned no this. No one Plus, could see her. she couldn't sit up with a 20-pound box for very long. You know, she would oh, have yeah. had to lay down. At this one is getting point, my anxiety... Like, rising, just thinking about that for her. Yes, yes. And Janice is just like, I'm going to go to the stream. Yeah, Janice was like, you do your thing. but yeah, basically, like, this was our agreement. He's taken his sex slave. I don't want to witness it. Mm. So I'm going over just here. going to turn my head. Yeah, and then I'm going to pretend like this woman's not laying in the back seat with a fucking 20-pound box mm. on her It's not me head. anymore. Nope. Right. So then <laughs> Janice, or excuse me, Colleen could tell that the car stopped and they took the box off from her. She's still laying down, but they took the box off from her because they stopped for dinner and were eating fucking hamburgers, fast food, just sitting and eating in the car. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's that's what you do when you abduct somebody. You We're going to grab a quick bite. We're going to grab some dinner. So they unboxed her one late, while they, they did, were eating? They, yeah, because. They were like, hey, I mean, what you, know, you doing? Yep. They just sat there and ate. They are not talking to her. They're not saying one word to so her anymore. So she didn't anymore. even get food, did she? Oh, of course not. How no. cruel. No, no, no. So they're just sitting there with their freaking McNuggets, burgers, and fries, <laughs> and whatever. And probably biggie size. Right. You know, just Just chowing down yep. like no big deal. Yep. And she's in the back seat. And they're not addressing, they're not telling her anything. No. What they were really doing was waiting for the cover of darkness to get her in their home. Mm. Because they lived in, their their neighbors weren't on top of each other, but they did live in a neighborhood where someone would have, could have looked out their window and, and been saw like, them, like, taking Dude, her in. what are Janice and Cameron up to? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. so they're waiting for the darkness of night to get her in, inside. They did take the box off from her head to get her inside, but this is where she starts to get real gnarly. And I'm going to do a trigger warning to the nth degree okay. for some things now. So Colleen was taken into the basement of 1140 Oak Street by Cameron. Into his torture dungeon. I'm going to start me some EMDR skills over here. Mm-hmm. I'm tapping on my legs. Okay. Okay. Now, while he, Cameron is taking Janice, excuse me, taking Colleen down to the torture dungeon. I have a hard time with the word dungeon. Try it, people. It's hard. Dungeon. Um, dungeon. Fucking Janice is putting the infant to bed upstairs. Fucking Janice. Right. And her denial. Like, yes. I'm just a motherly family woman. Yep. Great motherly instinct. With an right accent, there. apparently, out of I nowhere. Get, apparently, she does have an <laughs> accent. All right. I have my family, but so. There's, there's plenty of times where I'm just like, oh, fucking Janice. I know. That's I, all I can I'm say. Like, I feel bad for her, but I yes. just am so disappointed in her yep. right now. And as you should be, because immediately Colleen was hung from the ceiling. She was blindfolded and stripped naked. He starts whipping her. He beats her to the point where she blacked out from the pain. This is only day one. Yeah. And you guys, I painted a very vague and small picture of what day one was like for her. Just imagine 
being beaten to the point and whipped to the point where you pass out from pain, it is while you're hanging from a freaking ceiling. Ugh, this poor woman. Yes. So if you want more of the grisly details, they're available. I just didn't yeah. feel like I wanted to say them. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good on that. And Janice is upstairs like, let me get the baby a bottle and maybe yep. knit a, a yep. knowing, afghan. Knowing that he's, there's a woman being tortured below her. Oh, my goodness. But it's, it's going to get real sick here because this is probably one of the most gnarly things that I've ever had to make an audience envisioned before so this is gross when she came to after blacking out from the pain mm-hmm. janice and fucking cameron are doing the dirty right below where she is hanging oh god yeah so she comes to finally and yep. that's what she sees yep she was in such excruciating pain that her mind went unconscious and she wakes up to these two bumping uglies just right below below her, her. As she's hanging. Oh, my God. I don't know why, but that detail stuck with me really hard. And I find myself randomly thinking about it. Like, how awful. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is such an invasion into my mind. But isn't that a horrible detail? It It is horrible because it's like she'd already went through so much, having no clue like why this is happening to her neither one of them are talking to her at all saying anything she passes out wakes up realizes that wasn't a horrific dream but then to see two people fucking slapping bodies oh god after eating mcdonald's first of all (laughs) no you don't do that before you greasy like yeah disgusting oh Now, after what I hope was an extremely quick sexual gratification, because let's let's face it, Cameron's not going for the long haul. Not going to please anyone but himself. No, yes. Janice went back upstairs, and Cameron took Colleen off from the hook in the ceiling and placed her into another one of his DIY boxes. Okay? Mm. This one stood, if you can picture it, this one stood three feet high. Are you laughing at my DIY? I'm guessing you didn't get this off of Pinterest. Listen. (laughs) I'm assuming Al Borland did not teach him. No, which, by the way, he tool time. He does um, like DIY videos now. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I might the have to check those out. Not the character, the dude who I can't remember his name right now, but yeah, yeah. I love it. So this box, this DIY box, was three feet high. So she can't stand in it, but she can't lay down in it either. Oh my gosh, and that's horrible. So she has to sit upright, but there was. So there's like a hole for her head to go through, okay? And the back of the box is exposed. So he puts her in, like, in the box face first, puts her head through the top, Mm -hmm. her arms out the sides, and her back is exposed. Sounds so uncomfortable. Yes. it's. I mean, it's torturous. Yeah. But then he puts the freaking 20-pound box (gasps) from the car on her head. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, And this is like a tight box. So she's begging him to stop. She's telling him that she can't breathe. And instead of verbally abusing her, as most people would in this moment, most perpetrators, he doesn't say anything to her. Instead, he brings back something to tie around her chest and make it even harder for her to breathe. Like, in response, Uh, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. I hope his McDonald's gave him the screaming shits. (laughs) I'm just saying. Significant diarrhea. Yes. (laughs) Like, the really bad kind. Well, he ends up... Putting an apparatus between her legs that was supposed to send electric shocks through her body 
But luckily, his DIY skills weren't as good as he thought, mm. and it did not work. Oh, good. So it's just sitting there keeping her legs, like, spread, essentially, very uncomfortably, but it's not actually sending the electrical pulses that it was did designed to. Did he figure to. that out? I don't know. I don't recall that detail. It's just she later says that it, wasn't, that, that it working. wasn't working. And he would come down throughout the night to check and see if she was still breathing by putting her palm on, or putting, excuse me, his palm on her back. Like I said, the back of the box was, it was, was open. Like open, was exposing her back. I don't, I wonder if this was a scare tactic or if he really was just like concerned. As we'll learn later on, um, there was, there was some, some speculation from Colleen of, I don't know if he did this to scare me or if just he wanted to see if I was still alive. Mm-hmm. I think it was because he wanted to make sure that she was still alive. Mm-hmm. The next day, she went from the box, those two boxes that I mentioned, to the rack, the, the stretch rack that, that I had mentioned earlier. And this would be her routine over the next week or so, hanging from a hook, going to the boxes, and being on the rack just constantly. That's how she spent her time. Oh, my gosh. This whole time, Cameron is still building shit in the basement while she's down there, and he's still not talking to her. Still says nothing. So he has said nothing to her. He's just, like, building new devices. And the whole time, too, as I'm sure you can imagine, I probably don't need to say this, but in case it's not clear, when she's in the boxes, when she's on the hook, when she's all those things, he is sexually abusing her. He is torturing her. Mm. He is beating her. This whole time. This poor woman. Okay. Well, she was a teenager, right? She's in her early 20s. Oh, early 20s. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, because she got married in her teens. Yep. And... Okay. Yep. Regardless. Oh, my God. What he was building was the actual box that Colleen would live in for the next seven years of her <gasps> life. What? Seven years. Oh, my God. That's longer than a lot of people's first marriages. Yeah, like a lot of people. Yep. The box itself, which is what, like, made this case, you know, I mean, this is the box when you're talking about the girl in the box. Yeah, this This is is the box box we're talking about. It was actually two boxes. So if you can picture a big box and then within it was another box so that it was double insulated. Mm. Okay. It was only six feet long. And three feet high. Oh, my gosh. So, like, a coffin type of thing? I was just going to say, are you picturing a casket? Because I just, that's what I'm picturing. I remember the measurements from Dorothea's case. Oh, right. Dorothea's, <laughs> Dorothea's random box yes, that was that represented a coffin. Right. Same measurements. So. Yes. It was. <laughs> There's got to be a blueprint you know somewhere. Yeah. He had actually lined that freaking box with Colleen's own sleeping bag. Oh. I don't know why. The I one that she that, was like. Yeah. T- taking to go sleep at Linda's. Oh. So she was kept chained to the box, blindfolded. He put ear plugs in her ears and kept her naked. So, I mean, a complete, he completely removed all of her senses, mm-hmm. you know. The first few months, he made her help him create a workroom under the stairs while being blindfolded. What? Yep. So she had so to help. She's a sex slave. She's a work slave. And she had to follow all of his commands and do all of this while being blindfolded. Oh, my gosh. The workroom under the stairs is where she ended up being kept. So she um, built, helped build her own yep, room. Play, her own room of entrapment. Yep. The workroom under the stairs is where she was kept. And, and really, 
it was she was kept in there but she was still like in the box hanging from the ceiling on the rack okay so she would just rotate her yes in all of these things but then she'd go back to that work in that work room okay Mm -hmm. and so and that that's where she was like allowed you know allowed to be but he continued to put her in those torture devices he burned her he electrocuted her he obviously significantly sexually abused Mm her um i meant tremendously sexually abused her he stretched her on that torture rack to so bad that she had permanent and horrific back Mm. and shoulder injuries from being stretched so much this is how she spent the next several months of her life he would let her out to eat he would give them scrapes give scrapes from whatever to keep her alive yep from whatever they were eating and he'd bring down a glass of water Mm. and in those moments is when she was allowed to use the bathroom but he was the whole time you know very commanding like she only had minutes to get her stuff yes to get her stuff done it was it was horrible he would make her do weird shit which i think has nothing to do with the actual task itself but everything to do with breaking her down and gaining power and control over her so that he could really create an actual slave mm-hmm. that would just do whatever she wanted for fear of repercussion mm-hmm. okay he once asked her to shell a bunch of freaking walnuts for example what <laughs> like first of all walnuts are a bitch they are that shell is about yeah. impossible I'm like are you making a pie what are why that, are you doing that this? crossed my mind is like is jana still up there just right, like, living her best life as a, yeah, a homemaker is, she's like still oh. up there being a homemaker their marriage is tumultuous to say the least she's not loving this she's very jealous of colleen okay so this there's even she, more of a twist to this yes she is not loving that he is because spending all his time in the yeah, he's, dungeon she is now the source of his quote affections you know what I mean? I mean, he's giving her all the attention and getting off mm-hmm. on all of these things. And meanwhile, she's upstairs just raising a baby. Mm-hmm. He made her crochet things. Andrew do macrame projects. And remember how... Yes! <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I know. This poor woman has been through hell, but it's like... Macrame? We're going to do some arts and crafts, too. Like, now, But you know what I got to thinking? Remember how I said that she was a really creative person? Mm-hmm. She got really good at the macrame. And they were beautiful. Oh, wow. So Cameron and fucking Janice, fucking Janice, go to a farmer's market type thing and sell her stuff that their work slave was making. I can never enter a farmer's market again without being like, which sex slave made these? Yes. How'd you come about these, ma'am? Those walnuts? I know Uh where they came from. I know who shucked those. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I cannot even. Isn't that just disgusting? That is horrible. It's just like, no big deal. Oh, we're going to go sell your, you know, your work. Yep. So about eight months into what would be seven years of her enslaved life, in January 25th, 1978, Cameron and Janice come down to the basement. No, Janice didn't come down to the basement. She usually didn't come down. No. So Other than the one time she, you know, allowed her husband to. Yes. Fornicate with her. Fornicate below. Yep. Her hanging body, yeah. unconscious hanging body, by the way. Good Lord. Jamrin. Jamrin. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so Jamrin and Canis come downstairs. My God. Janice and Cameron come downstairs. And if that's not suspicious, suspicious enough, Cameron tells her to take her blindfold off. Mm. This whole time she has had that fucking blindfold on. So you know that she has got to be like, oh my God, this is it. 
This oh, is where yeah. the, I'm seeing their faces She's again. She's coming down. Mm-hmm. I, I would have been terrified yep. at that moment. I, I agree. What he ends up doing, though, is presenting her with a contract. And here is where the real mindfuck begins. Oh, so he's a professional. Oh, he thinks so. He, yes, he's like Sheldon with making up all these different contracts from the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. 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 He presents her with a contract where it says that now her name is simply Kay. She used to call her Sir or Master. Oh, my God. I vomited a little saying that. Yeah. Master. All I can picture is me going upstairs and saying that to my husband right now in the way that it would make me feel. Mm -hmm. She was never, this is gross. This is so gross. She was never to cross her legs in front of him or wear underwear. So it was just, she had to agree officially to just mm-hmm. be spread eagle all of the time. All the time. Starfishing. All the time. In front of this fan. <laughs> what in the hell? Oh, yeah. How did they come up with this? It get, oh, I love that Janice is there to support the contract. For sure. Like, yep. Please only ever have your vagina open. Yeah. Open for my hus- all day, every day. For my husband to see. Please. I can't, I can't the handle fuck? these people. I can't. She could not wear underwear. Did I say that? Yes. I think I did. Okay. Yes. She had a collar for identification purposes. <gasps> like no. a motherfucking dog. No. Mm-hmm. He had actually come across this contract in an underground, like, porn newspaper thing. Remember I said he was yeah, into really dark porn? Into the dark porn. And he made Janice type it up on her fucking typewriter. Get out. Uh, no. So Janice was like, click, 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 click. Yep. No crossed legs. Click, no click, click, underwear. Click, click. Oh Starfish my. for my husband at all times. Dot, dot, dot. I cannot believe this couple. Like, oh, what the heck? To make matters worse. So now he has an alias. He's to go by Michael Powers. Okay, that's what she is to... To call him? Uh, well, sir or master is what she's to call him. Hmm. But he's going to sign everything. His name is Michael Powers. Okay. Okay. He made the header on the the paper of the contract the insignia himself he bought fucking calligraphy pens oh my goodness. for this so he, occasion he broke out the cl- calligraphy Picture for this him in freaking hobby lobby getting hmm. a calligraphy Which pen calligraphy pen will be the best for the header of my sex slave contract mm, that one will do i like this color he created what he called the company the company he tells I, I know your jaw. I just had to push my jaw back Pick up. that up for you. <laughs> he tells Colleen that the company is an underground organization that trades females for sexual slavery. He claimed that he was raised in the company and that his own father and brother were also members. It was believable. It looked real. For crying out loud, he presented a contract that had a, an insignia with letterhead on it. Yeah. And he was like, I am I am Michael Powers. I'm surprised he didn't get it I notarized. Am, like, oh, take it to the court. Right. And... Exactly. Or fake a notary or something. <laughs> Janice, get the exactly. notary. Get the notary. <laughs> oh, my God. It said if she tried to escape, the company would find her and kill her if she told her family. They would kill the family that she told. He told her that he would kill her family if she did not sign the contract. He told her that the whole company knows all about her, who her family is, where to find them. Just in and made it clear that there's a lot of law enforcement individuals that are in the company. He made it into this whole big, scary, fake, like mob Mm -hmm. um, underground 
Was he just getting like slavery. bored with his his tactics, and he had to like I'm gonna go professional on this? Or I have no idea. I think this is just how messed up this man is. Mm-hmm. He creates this elaborate lie to make his own slave out of fear. I mm-hmm. mean, if you think about it, she doesn't want to be doing this. He and he still gets off on the fact knowing she doesn't want to be there mm-hmm. and that she's being forced. Now, did she but buy into this? She's like, she oh did. my God. A hundred percent. She did. And he does things to make it even more convincing, as I'll get to in a second. I mean, he's just basically, I'll kill. if you don't sign this contract, I'll kill you. If you don't sign the contract, I'll kill your family. So what choice does she have? And you can't tell the police because the police are involved in the company. Mm -hmm. And it all looks so real on paper. And then there's, you know, Janice, which she gets involved here. He made up an elaborate story about Janice saying she was also put into, traded into female slavery and that she tried to escape. And the company found her and broke her knees. Oh, my God. Yep. And the whole time that he's saying this to Colleen and Janice is standing there, Janice is wearing a knee brace because, in fact, she had a fucking hereditary knee issue and she had to wear a brace. So he's like, look, see here? Yep, exactly. I saved her from being killed by the company when she tried to escape. So you better, you know. Janice is just like, what he said. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, these people. So she signs the contract. And he puts the collar on her and gave her an identification card that he had had made and laminated. Oh of course he oh did. Oh, my gosh. Has the insignia on it and everything. I'm like, just picturing. They, they have like. It is like MIB. Like, remember Will Smith all of a sudden joining the men in black? And they're like, your identification is gone. And here's your card. And here's your suit. Did he have a cricket machine yeah. making all of this stuff? Like, they have every resource to make these professional documents. And oh my God. He was Lord. the master scrapbooker. Yeah. He I mean, used all the right materials yep. to create this fake underground life. Mm hmm. Unbelievable. So now that she is, you know, a part of the company and he's no longer fearful that she's going to run away because he has instilled in her that the company is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay. She's allowed upstairs, but that's to cook, to do the gardening, to clean. So now she's a sex slave and a maid and she has to help take care of the kids, which fun fact, they end up having another daughter. Oh, wow. Fucking Janice ends up having spitting out another one of this ch- mm. asshole's offspring. Yeah. And now, and now she gets to come up and take care of the yep. kids. She's and... going to nanny. She's going to be the maid. She's going to be the, the chef. She's going to be the sex slave. Yep. She's doing it all. Was Janice like, I am tired up here. This is, well, this is where Janice really starts to, her and Colleen fight mm. a lot. Janice is very, very jealous. Of Colleen, because before she was out of sight, out of mind in the basement, he would go down there. She would block herself out from what's really happening down there. But now she's she's up. She's in like her a biz. part of the family. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's she's bonding with her children. She is cooking them meals. She is being a part of you know the company. And Janice isn't isn't loving this. No, no. This is this is really where she's got a lot of resentment and jealousy towards her which i mean i can see like yeah it's fucked it. up but, but then at the yeah. same time colleen's like, like i was freaking kidnapped lady right, right. Exactly. by you by the way yeah she was still mostly kept in the workroom which was better than the box at this point she didn't have to um she was in the workroom but she didn't have to sleep in the box okay during this period of time it's it's 
not great, but it's better, Mm -hmm. you know. Part of me just feels this, like, sick sense of relief for Colleen because she was relieved a bit from the torture. She was, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and he's still... It's still horrible. He's still raping her. He's, you know, if she's not working fast enough doing what he wants, he's violent with her. Mm -hmm. But she's not sleeping in a tiny six-foot box anymore. Now, at one point after all this had happened, she went a few days without food. Usually they would, I mean, she would cook food and stuff, but she wasn't allowed to eat it. They would still bring her her meals and water. So it'd been a few days. She'd been a few days without food and she heard a lot of commotion upstairs. Well, then all of a sudden Cameron comes down, puts her back in the freaking head box, puts the head box on, leads her to the car and told her to lay down on Janice's lap. Which I'm sure Janice just loved. loved it. Then all of a sudden he takes her out and they're at what he called his new mobile home and it's in a really secluded area. See, he they had been renting a house before where the landlord could just stop in at any time and there were close neighbors. Mm-hmm. So he got himself a mobile home and it's way out in the country. And so he leads her to Janice and his room. And there's this huge bed in the room. He tells her to look underneath it. Under the bed was a big box that had an opening where she had to crawl into it. Oh my gosh, another freaking box? Yep. And this is where her new home was, in a box, under their mother-humping bed. Oh my god. Their marital bed. Ew. Is where she had to sleep. What in a tiny, tiny the box fuck? that she had to crawl into to get into mm-hmm. did they move the, did the whole family move to this mobile home they or did. was it just an extra the whole, nope the whole family moved to the mobile home and at this point in time like she has to live there because before she was in that workroom under the stairs and was like doing chores and all this stuff well as she as they moved her they're like nope this is where you're staying now she had a bedpan that she was allowed to she was only allowed out to dump it and to eat once a day and for his sexual gratification Oh, my gosh. Yep. So then now we are at 1981. This is a period of time where she was actually allowed outside of the box from underneath their bed for a long period of time. And in the trial, a doctor, a psychologist actually testifies to a lot of times in captivity situations like that, the um, perpetrator will give the victim some leeway and -hmm. some things just to have the power to be able to take it away from him again. Mm, Okay. And they believe that that's what um, he was doing at this point in time. time. Now, she was out of the box. She was allowed to sleep in the living room. But she's back to maid duty. She's back to gardening duty. He made her jog. Like, he made her run. And I don't know if it was her physical fitness or if it was just another power and control Mm -hmm. thing for him. But they're in a secluded enough area that he would take her out to jog and follow her with the car and Mm -hmm. told her if she stopped jogging before he was ready for her to stop jogging, he'd hit her with the car and run her over. And was like, by the way, in this new neighborhood, this is all the company. All the, any houses that you can see or any people that you do see, they belong to the company. That's why we moved out here. The company moved us out here. Mm -hmm. Weirdly enough, though, she actually started to enjoy running. Oh, nice. Well, I guess that... A little bit of freedom for uh, her. Right, right. And, you know, and it is supposed to, it's really de-stressing and whatnot. I mean, not for me because I really hate running, but maybe if I was forced to do it, I would learn to enjoy it. I was just going to say with my cardio skills, mm-hmm. if someone told me I had to run until, you know, he said they Hit stop, me with a car. Jesus, take me now. For sure. I, I would just be like, couldn't do it. all right, do I want the left side of the windshield <laughs> or the right? Here, because hit, hit me on my bad side, yeah. please. 
I'm I'm not a hero. Exactly. That is where I'm at as well. Oh, this poor, poor woman. Did she, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, um, did she ever, in those years, did she ever try to escape or was she able to try and get out Um, that whole time? No, during this time, no, because he had let her know he will kill her family. And she believed it. The company, not just him, the company Mm. will kill her family if she tried to escape. And he made it very clear that there would be even times where the company would test her to see what she does. And so, for example, like if if you're left alone Mm -hmm. and you try to, which very, very common for um, captivity situations like this where, Mm -hmm. you know, I will, I'm going to test you. And if you try to escape and I catch you, then it's going to be real bad. Mm -hmm. So he tells her that um, the phones are tapped, that the company is always watching, all those sorts of stuff. Weirdly enough, though, Janice and Cameron at this point now have an open relationship, which I think Janice has probably got a lot of leg to stand on to be like, I'm sorry, bugger, you have a sex slave? I'm going to go flirt with me some men. Mm -hmm. Now, even more weird, her kids, Janice's kids and Cameron's kids, started to know, like, they were bonding with Colleen and just knew her as Kay. Mm. Because that's what they kept referring to her as. Janice actually had a job at night, so Kay would care for the kids because, you know, Cameron couldn't be involved in childbearing. Or childbearing. Right, God forbid. Child rearing on that. Um, did the kids know she slept in that box? Uh, she was sleeping in the bathroom, chained to the toilet. Oh, oh, yeah. even so better. When, when he eventually let her out of the box for that period of time in 1981, she is now chained to the toilet. There was an incident where one of the girls walked in in the middle of the night. I was thinking and, along those yeah, lines, like, and, oh, it's just Kay chained yep. to the toilet. No big deal. Yes. And Cameron was so pissed at Kay, of course. That he beat her to a bloody pulp, and they then he installed a lock where she had to lock it from the inside. She had to lock herself into the bathroom so that the kids couldn't get into that bathroom at night, and she slept chained to the toilet. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, Colleen was eventually able to convince Cameron to let her call her family. Wow. Just really? To, yes. Just to let them know that she is alive. And he even can, or she even convinced him to let them go and see her family. Oh my gosh. Yes. He, Cameron agrees, but he's like, it's going to take me a long time to get approval from the company. The company. He really tries to start making himself into the hero. Like, I've got to convince them that you're not going to try to run. So... Let me do a lot of talking. You know, I've got to do talking with the company. I've got to let them know that, you know, mm-hmm. you understand that you are a part there, of, there's it, an approval of the company. process yes, with the yes, company. Yes, exactly. So let me submit all the applications yeah. on your part. There's a lot of paperwork yes. to do here. And this is where he is like, you know, they might even try to test you. So you better, you better pass. Mm-hmm. Well, March 1981, he went, she, he, Cameron took her to visit her family. But first, he stops. At a big building in Sacramento and tells her this is the company headquarters. He had always told her that the company headquarters were in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So she's believing this. He walked into this big official looking building and stayed for quite some time. <laughs> I want to know what the fuck right, he like, did what in was that he building. doing in right. there? Right. And how just many, looking out the window at her. How many other people were just like, dude, who is, who this? is this guy just walking around our building? Right. When he gets back into the car, because he had told her 
initially, I got to take you to the headquarters. They may test you. They may ask you some questions. They might, you know, God, I don't even know what they might do. So just be prepared. So he gets into the car, car, back into the car after being in that building for a long time and was like, wow, they don't even want to see you. You got off pretty easily. Oh, my gosh. Then, you know what this wait, <laughs> then he says, the secretary says good luck. Stop. No, I can't with oh, this. I told you, he's gosh. an ingrown hair. This reminds me of the SpongeBob episode where uh, SpongeBob and Patrick try to raise the little baby um, together. And Patrick pretends to go to work every day, but he's really going home and <laughs> right. sitting and watching TV. Yes. <laughs> like, this guy is pretending to yeah. go into the building. And, like, right. And I love it. It's just like, the secretary says good luck. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? He probably went in there and, like, sat and pretended to do business or something. And yeah, I feel absolutely. like he believes this in his own yep, head. Yep, He went and tried to, he tried oh to look very God. official wherever the hell he was, and it's just all one big farce. Like, isn't this ridiculous? Here Colleen is just shows up without telling her parents that she was coming at all. She'd Can been able imagine? to talk to him on the phone mm-hmm. and was very vague, didn't say a lot of personal details, just basically like, hi, I'm sorry, I haven't talked to you in a while. Like, Yeah, my yeah. bad, we've lost touch for years, yeah. but... It's been four years at this point in time since she has seen her family. She told them very little. She introduced them to Michael. Oh, yes, because that's his contract name. Said that he was her fiancé and that he was taking a computer course out in that area, so that's why they stopped by. Her parents were actually very convinced that she joined a cult. Really? Mm -hmm. Because of the way that she behaved. Mm -hmm. So that's where their mind is at. I was wondering, I mean, she's been through so many horrific things. I can't imagine she was, like, looking her best. I wouldn't think so. No. No. You know? They And whatever happened on those phone call conversations, um, again, I won't steal a lot of information from the book because you could really read it. And then there's – it's online, too, and whatnot. To read but this book. it was very good. You know, it just – those conversations led them to believe that, which is probably for the best because the truth was way worse. Mm-hmm. Now, the parents, her parents had divorced and remarried at this point, and she had half-siblings. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So she shows up and doesn't even know right. like, what her, her new life family. is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They go to church. She was able to go to church with her mom. They had only spent 24 hours together, and all of a sudden Cameron was like, oh, the company called. It's time. We've got to go. Oh, gosh. And she was really upset because he had made her believe that they were going to have a full weekend with mm. each other, and they hadn't. And so, but he was just like, nope, um, this was the, the company's doing. You've had enough time. So when really, in in reality, he was sick of playing the part. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Of doting fiance. He's like, I I need, you know, to get you back to the the horrific sexual chamber. Yep. Then we fast forward. That was March of 1981. Now, we fast forward to closer to the end of 1981. And he's like, yep, time for you to go back into the box. Janice and her arguing and it had really started you know, just now started to cause some problems in their marriage. You don't say. Yeah, that she has. he has this sex slave. Her jealousy had a lot to do with why she is now being sent back into the box. To make matters worse, Janice took her all around the neighborhood and to the kids to say goodbye. Kay's leaving, because remember, her name is Kay mm-hmm. to all of them. Mm-hmm. Kay is leaving because she's been out now for... Quite some time, almost a year, where she's just, like, living with them and sleeping, you know, in the bathroom and all this stuff. But they, you know, have to explain her her going away. So she had to, they're like, oh, she's moving away. So she goes and says goodbye. You know, you're not going to see her running anymore, all oh this stuff. Oh, my gosh. This starts the period where she spent the longest time in the box. 
she spent from 1981 to 1984, only Stop. being let out to eat, bathroom, and sexual abuse the entire time. Oh my gosh. He had a hole for ventilation that he put a hairdryer in to run on a cool setting during the summer months because, of course, it's excruciatingly fucking hot in a trailer under Ugh. someone's bed. My heart just like In hurts. California. Ugh. What what she actually said was like it didn't. It, I mean, it really didn't cool anything down, and the noise drove her insane. Like she had a really nice quote where she was saying that she learned that she could go anywhere in her mind. Your mm -hmm. mind will take you anywhere mm -hmm. if you need it to, and that's how she passed the time in oh the my box. Goodness. So now it's 1984, mm -hmm. and he takes her out of the box. Then Janice just takes her around the neighborhood like, I'm like hey, a hot mess over here Kay's just thinking back. about her in the box. It makes me like cry. I, know. I cry all the time though, so just don't mind me. <laughs> but I, I know that many years, I, three years. I mean, she I spent three years. I just, just can't imagine. Like, being abused. Yeah. That's, I, that's the only time you can come out. It's so horrible. To empty your bedpan, eat a little bit and be sexually abused. So then now she's out. And she's just supposed to play nice with, you know, Janice again. And Janice is, hey, to the neighborhood. Kay's back. Hey, guys. To the kids. And she's probably, like, white as a corpse because she hasn't seen. Well, I would think that she can't look great. I would wonder if the rest of the world is like, what's going on with Kay? She's not looking too great here. Right. I'm not sure. Uh, but I wondered that, too. Right. I mean. The only reason that she was let out is because Ingrown Hair wanted to build a underground dungeon. And he needed help. Well, of course. Oh, so she was supposed to help him build yep. it again. Work slave. She's now been held captive for nearly seven years at this point in time when she was let out of the box to build the dungeon. They did their work at night so that others couldn't see. And God dang it, Cameron. He was really good at building things. I mean, he taught her how to lay cement, how to lay bricks. Wow. Basically, he built a tornado shelter. Like, like a solid, under, mm -hmm. legit shelter for the family. Yes. There was a whole leading. It was from a shed. They already had, you know, a shed on the property. Mm -hmm. So you go into the shed and then there is like this hole that you crawl that you went down. It was big, you know, this big like man hole, you know, thing that led down into a what I would call a tornado shelter that's got that's cemented. It's got brick walls like this whole thing. Now this is where Colleen lives. This is her room now. Way better than underneath their freaking bed in a box, yeah. right? But she's living in the earth, you know, in a basement, essentially. The reason that he built this was because he planned to have other women down there with her. He wanted four other girls. Oh. And told Colleen that she would be the one to train him. That the company was going to give him, he was going to get four other girls and she was going to train them. Oh, so a promotion. Yep. Wow. He also told her that he was going to marry her and impregnate her and that he would get her her own trailer to live in and raise his kids in. That's what he's, he's telling her. Which, the dungeon was better than a box and he did mm -hmm. put a little heater down there. She requested a Bible. She wanted a Bible. He gave her a Bible. Mm-hmm. The basement did start to flood, but being the swell guy that he is, he taught her how to vacuum it up. Oh, well, how yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. So she had that's to really, you know, that's vacuum nice up him. her own leaking. Hey, your space is flooding, uh -huh. so here's how you here's a clear shop the water. vac to suck <laughs> that up. Yep. I cannot, I can't process this. I can't. Yep. One time, the kids were playing hide and seek with one of their cousins, because remember, they've got two daughters right mm -hmm. now. And Janice saw the kids looking into the hole that led to the underground dungeon. 
and was really scared that their niece was going to tell somebody like what they saw. So they put her back in the box for a couple of weeks just in case somebody came looking. Sweet mother of baby Jesus. Yep. When they let her out of the box, they were like, Cameron's like, listen, the company has put some fines on me, so I need you to get a job, Colleen. Well, Kay. Uh-huh. I love your face. I have, this like, would have been a good, like, a good case to YouTube video us. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of emotions and yeah. uh, facial expressions happening. Isn't this so fucked up? So, so they're going to go. Now Cameron's like makes up this fake fine and is like, Colleen, go get yourself a job because you got to pay off. You got to get the company me. needs fines paid. Yeah, you got to give me all your money. So she gets a job as a housekeeper at a hotel, the King's Lodge. I'm still pro- trying uh-huh. to process that she never tried to get away, which oh. I do know that that happens yes. too with these kinds of cases. Yeah. It just becomes their way of life. I mean, she's it been does. there for seven yeah. years. Out of fear. Holy yep. and she just crap balls. acclimates. So she really became good friends with the owner, Doris Myron. They befriended one another. Doris thought that her situation with Janice and with Cameron was very odd. As one and, would do. And now that she's got a job, they allowed her to not sleep in the dungeon anymore. Now she's sleeping on the couch. So now she's sleeping on the in the living room. She told Doris that she gives the hookers, her paychecks, because remember, their last name is Hooker. Oh, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? There's a hooker? No, I can't handle I saw it. your face. <laughs> no, their name is Janice and Cameron Hooker. Okay, yes, the hookers. Doris thought this was nuts and that her living situation was weird, but what was she supposed to do? She didn't think it was right that her entire paycheck went to Janice uh-huh. and Cameron. But what is very strange is at this point in time now, Janice and Colleen become really close. Oh, they started bonding over Bible, reading the Bible together, doing like a Bible study together. Oh, how nice. Mm-hmm. Like you slept under my bed for all these years. Yes. Let's have a Bible study. Yep. Ugh. And she even told Doris that Janice was like a sister to her. This yeah. poor girl and her morbid but sense of like. let's go, let's take a, a quick detour into the psychology of this. Janice is the only other person that she could make a connection with besides the kids yeah. that knew what was going on that she could talk to um they started bonding over they started to see parallels in their life to some of the stories in the bible mm-hmm. and that like the story of i think it's abraham and sarah and she ends abraham ends up impregnating one of the maids because sarah couldn't have a baby yeah yeah that's it was kind of like those sorts of things where they could see these parallels of like I couldn't give Cameron what he wanted because it made me uncomfortable, so we just forced you to. And you know, what a and it's comforting okay. bedtime story, right? It just they just oh my gosh. But psych- I get it though. I do from, get it. Yeah, from Colleen's point of view, I think the psychology of it is just this is her only friend. Now mm-hmm. she's got Doris, but. I think she also started to see Janice because this this whole time, it's not like Cameron is being nice to Janice. And Colleen can see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She knows she's getting beat as well. I mean, she's not being kept in a box in a dungeon, but she's not being treated nicely. She knows that Cameron is doing this. But at the same time, Cameron then would show affection to both of them and give them certain privileges, right. you know, that it's it's the psychological affect of it. I mean, you know Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's, Beauty and the Beast. It's oh. right. It's so real. It's so real. Why didn't so, these two join forces and bring this little pipsqueak down? Give me a minute, Oh, girl. sorry. We're I'm not sorry. done with the case. So, like I said, they bonded over the Bible study and whatnot. Um, they... 
This is so fucking weird. So when they were doing their Bible studies together, Cameron made them wear ski beanies beanies over their head and face. I can't handle this man. It gets fucking weirder and weirder. He called them their prayer hats. (laughs) I'm laughing as a coping skill, just so you know. Like, this is so not funny. I know. Women can't be seen praying, which there really is a prayer hat. It's called a... Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's called like a, it starts with a B and oh, some of our listeners are shouting it into their radio right now. Um, we might have to Google it, but there is a such thing as a prayer hat. Yes. As a prayer hat for women so that women aren't seen when they're praying. And it's not a ski beanie for the record, Cameron Hooker. The budget was low. Okay. (laughs) It was a low budget prayer session. The company's going through a rough time. Okay. (laughs) Clearly, because now they're having their sex slaves work. So, yeah. Holy crap. Oh my goodness. He did start to allow... (laughs) I know, I like how I just... The visual of them, like, you need prayer hats, ladies, and they're just, like, sitting there. Right. Oh my goodness. And I'm dropping the weirdest facts and then just moving on like it's totally normal. Like, and now they get to go to church together. It's, it's so weird. It's so bizarre. Oh, so they do get to go to church. They do get to go to church together. Okay. And what's happening is that they befriend the pastor. He -hmm. really takes them under their wing. They make, they make good friends with him. And Janice is starting to grow a conscience. She is starting to see that Cameron all along has been using the Bible against her because Cameron is like this whole time. God created woman to bow down to man. Okay. Well, as she's going to church and talking with this pastor and she starts to realize that is She's like, you mean others don't have sex slaves under their bed? What? Oh my gosh. That is, this is not what God intended for human? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, light bulbs are starting to flicker. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. But really what's happening from a psychological point of view is that Colleen's becoming humanized to her. Mm-hmm. You know, before she was basically out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. If she wasn't in the basement, under the stairs, or in that goddamn box, she was under their bed in a box, she was in a dungeon. She didn't, she had, you know, times where she spent with their family and whatnot, but her and Janice fought all the time. So they weren't buddy-buddy on the couch like they are now. Mm-hmm. Colleen has become a human. Mm-hmm. to Janice and she's realizing ah oh, fuck I might not make it to the pearly gates of heaven if I continue if I keep doing like this. this I mean Cameron even convinced Janice that men are allowed to do anything that they wanted whenever they wanted and that they're supposed to have multiple wives so once she really started studying the bible and going to church she's realizing this isn't true mm-hmm. now it's August 9th 1984 Janice comes to Colleen's work and literally drops the biggest truth bomb on her just Spat it all out to her. It's all a lie. The company is fake. Oh. You you know, you were, you can walk away at any time. He, no one's going to come after you. Yeah. Oh. Just like, bam, there it is. Here's Colleen, still wearing an identification her collar. collar. Has her identification card from oh, the company. That he made Changing with some nasty ass sheets at the King's Lodge. And in comes Janice. Mic dropping. Yeah. Like, like, here it is. You, There is no company. You are literally, the contract you sign means nothing. You can walk away. <laughs> but what gets worse is 
She doesn't walk away. Colleen does she? is like, I gotta finish up my work day because I can't let Doris down. Look at Colleen, faithful and loyal. She finishes out her work day. Yeah. She yeah. probably, like, the last seven years of her life were, like, crashing down. And maybe she just couldn't handle it. No, so she's like, she'd stick with the routine. I have to make this bed. Yep. Excuse me. For sure. Like, her brain is going for homeostasis, mm-hmm. just needing to find some stability to process. She needed the rest of that day to do it. And Janice was even like, hey, we got to get the fuck out of the house. Mm-hmm. Like, it's time for us to leave. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they finish their day at work. They can't tell Doris what's going on because this whole time Janice is begging Colleen not to go to the police. Don't go to the police. Because I, I I'm going to be in trouble, too. Well, exactly. But she's like she actually says she can fix Cameron. She's going to get him to go to church. She kind of uses the church against Colleen. Yeah. You know, I'm like still manipulating. But. Yes. I'm going to fix him. Like, you'll be free, but I want to fix Cameron. So please don't go to the police. Then she literally says, we owe that to him. Ew. That is how mine fucked these women were. Ugh, so sad. Look at everything he's provided us. We owe it to him to not turn to him into the To still protect him. Mm-hmm. So Colleen is really bonded to Janice's children. Mm-hmm. And when they get home, they know he's going to be home soon from work. They can't just, like, leave. They need to pack their things up. And so even knowing this information she stayed for one more night Colleen stayed for one more night because she was waiting to be able to leave with the kids and with Janice so the next morning turd fart goes to work they pack it all up (laughs) (laughs) if a turd could fart it would would say Cameron Hooker that's what it would sound like so they they did leave they did left yes yep and good job ladies right right we've gotten thank you lord far janice is like trying to convince colleen that they can get an apartment together and this is where colleen was like um i think we're in a toxic relationship and i probably shouldn't get an apartment with you and your kids so she calls her dad doesn't tell her dad the nitty-gritty of everything just says i need to come home i need money he was like i will send you as much money as human is I I will get my hands on anything that you need. She's like, I just need a bus ticket. It's okay. But he was that willing and ready for her to come home that he was, you know, going to remortgage his house if he had to. He wanted her home. She did actually speak about how she considered getting an apartment with Janice and uh, the kids. But the voice from the gas station came back. And this time she didn't Mm. press it down. She listened to it. Um, her, I'm really glad she, she listened to that voice. Yes. Because that could have been real bad. Real bad. Yeah. So her dad wires her money. And when she gets home, she um, what do you tells them do? everything. Yep. Yeah. However, before she got on that bus to get home, she called Cameron and said, I just wanted to tell you that I'm leaving, that you lied about everything, and that you can't keep me here anymore. And what does Cameron Hooker do? Starts crying. Oh, of course he does. Of course he does. Uh-huh. Probably, like, fetal position crying, like, ugly. Ugly crying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then when she goes home, she tells her family everything. They wanted her to go to the police immediately. But she said no. She had a loyalty to Janice, which is hard for all of us to understand, but you just gotta 
put yourself in a different psychological position because mm-hmm. that's where she was mm-hmm. at the time. And this she has needed been, to be deprogrammed. Yeah, and this has been the last seven years yes. of her life. Yep. Uh, sadly, Janice went back to Cameron after one week. She moved out for one week. She went to her her mother's home and then uh, uh, one week. I'm went sorry, back. what? She took him to church and, spoiler alert, it didn't fix him. Jesus did not oh. fix him. You don't say. Nope. She did, however, convince him to burn all the torture things that he had built, all the porn, and all the photos. Probably a good idea, Janice. You know, to me, when I read that, I was like, oh, sure, we're trying to reform Cameron. No, assholes, you're getting rid of evidence. Right, because now she's free. That's what you're doing. Cameron wasn't changing. Janice is about to snap. She told her new friend that she had made. She went and and made herself a new friend, Janice did. Mm Mm-hmm. Told her friend everything, and her friend was like, dude, you've got to go to the police. And the turning point for her was when the friend pointed out, if you don't go to the police, he could do this to your daughters. You've got two girls. What's stopping him? Thank God Janice found a friend. Yep. So three months after um, Colleen had been set free, Janice turned her husband in, not only for kidnapping and imprisonment, but also for the murder of 19-year-old Mary Elizabeth Spinacki. Yeah. In January 1976, Mary Elizabeth had accepted a ride from Janice and Cameron. My eyes are bulging out of I my know. skull. I know. And I'm talking slow for suspense. Mary Elizabeth had been walking because she had been in a fight with her fiancé, John, at the time. So she was just walking to clear her head. John, she didn't come back from her walk. John reported her missing. What had happened was Cameron pulled up by her, asked, you know, said he would give her a ride. She's actually said no because she was just walking to clear her head. Mm-hmm. He grabbed her by the hair, pulled her into the car, put her in the head box, mm. did all the stuff that he did with Colleen, even stopped for dinner to wait for darkness, eating that, that fucking fast food, ugh, French fries and hamburgers, took her to the basement, hung her up, assaulted her. But he tried to cut her vocal cords so that she would be silent. And it just created, yeah, it just created too much of a problem. So he shot her in the stomach twice with a pellet gun. And when that didn't kill her, he strangled her. Oh, my gosh. So was she supposed to be the first victim? She was supposed to be the first slave. But he messed up because she was bleeding so much from the vocal cords that he realized he couldn't keep her alive as a sex slave. So he, that's why he killed her. He made Janice help him roll her into a tarp and buried her. Holy. Then he even stole her gold watch and wore it every day. Oh, my Till gosh. the watch was, um, it was like destroyed in a machinery thing. Yeah. But wow. they have never found Mary Elizabeth's body. Oh, they never did. No. Janice tried to help the police find it, but it was wintertime because it was January. Mm-hmm. So it was snowing. And so she was really disoriented by where, like, actually it would be. Mary Elizabeth's parents always blamed the fiancé, John, for her death and died thinking that it was him. Oh, no. Yeah. So they the prosecutor's never... office did call, did get a hold of John and let him know we caught who, you know, killed Mary Elizabeth. And he was really grateful for that because... It All had, those years? He, yeah, he had passed a polygraph. He had There was no evidence on him, so he was never charged with anything. But, of course, he was the major per- person of interest yeah. for a long time. Probably many people thought yep. that he was the one that murdered yes. her. So he was happy to um, to be set free from that burden, at least. Yep. On November 18th, 
Cameron Hooker was arrested on kidnapping, sodomy, and rape. Even though they had the murder information from Janice, they had no body or evidence aside from hearsay of Janice's testimony because everything else had been burned. Mm -hmm. And he cleaned up after himself, and now seven years have passed. Mm -hmm. Clarence Knight was the judge on the case and had said his main goal was to give the maximum possible sentence. Clarence. Mm Clarence Knight. I like like that name. (laughs) Yes, I do too. The defense did try to make Colleen out to be a willing participant. I know. Shame on them. I know. Cameron even testified for himself and claimed that he was trying to help her detox to keep her off drugs because, you know, he's got to be a hero. Not true. None of that was true. Eat a penis, Cameron. Yeah, for sure. A decomposing one. (laughs) He pled guilty to the kidnapping. But the rest of the relationship was consensual, is what his claims were, okay? To make matters worse, Colleen wrote letters to Cameron that were seen as love letters when he was imprisoned. Yeah. Wait, stop. Yeah. She really did? Yeah. Like, that's... Did I hear... Am I hallucinating right now? She really did, because she had not been deprogrammed at this point in time. I mean, you know, this is some serious psychological warfare Mm -hmm. happening here. This poor... Well, Cameron Cameron even called her three days after his conviction which he was sentenced to, and I'm going to give some more in a minute, but his original sentence was 104 years in prison. Oh. Okay. Three days after his conviction, he called Colleen and was basically like, yeah, you know, I'm sure you want to yell at me and stuff. What? (laughs) And she was just kind of like, no, I really don't have anything more to say to you. I think that her letters, she had said like everything Mm -hmm. she needed to say. The prosecution set it up so that he could never reach out to her from prison again. Okay, good. So they're done. They never speak again. She never speaks to Janice again. They're 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 done. done. Mm -hmm. He was originally sentenced to a term of 104 years which was later reduced to 74 because of changes to the state law, which Mm -hmm. we've seen before. Mm -hmm. An evaluation of Hooker was performed by the state hospital, and he was deemed positive for classification as a sexually violent predator. His latest parole hearing was held in 2015, and his eligibility for a parole hearing was denied for 15 years. Good. Like, okay, you're not going to be eligible again until... 2030. He attempted to like to advance his parole eligibility to 2018, but it was denied by the parole board. So like, no, we're not going to hear from you again until 2030. However, Cameron Hooker is possibly being paroled as early as March of 2021. Wait, I'm sorry, what? (sighs) Apparently, this is based on Gavin Newsom's desire to lower the prison population. Some said it was due to the COVID-19 pandemic. California officials more likely to say that it was because of new laws that lawmakers are trying to do to reduce the prison population. But here's the key. Basically, he could get paroled on the good conduct credit, but he's already been classified as a sexually violent predator, which would make him exempt for from the good conduct credit. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now the prison is saying that they have to do the assessment. He was assessed once back in the 80s when he was sentenced, but he needs to be assessed again. And if he's assessed again as a violently sexual predator, then he won't be he won't be able to be up for parole for the good conduct credit. That hearing where they are going to make this determination has actually been um, pushed back. Some sources said May, some said September. So it's sometime in this year there's going to be a hearing to determine whether or not 
he should be allowed to be eligible for, for parole. Now, that does not mean that the parole board would approve it. It's just he originally wasn't even supposed to be up for parole again until 2030. But because of changes in laws, now he could possibly get, because of his good conduct credit, eligible this year if the parole board granted it, which that's another step that they'd have to grant it. But his argument to even become eligible would have to be that he gets that good conduct credit and he hopefully will get reclassified as a violent sexual predator and not even be eligible for it. But long story short, sometime this motherfucker could walk the streets again. There is a petition online signed that, that people Please can, give me the link. Right, that I'm, I'm going to post it on our socials that you can sign. I think, I think it's got like 10,000 signatures right now to um, keep him in jail. Well, it's about to be 10,001. The, the district attorney, Matt Rogers, is having the trial to deem him as a sexually violent predator. That's going to be his argument, um, saying that he can't. I can't even get believe that this is an option to well, happen. And they did send Colleen, as they're legally obligated to, this year. They did send her a letter letting her know that he is possibly going to be eligible for parole this year. How I disgusting is that? I can't even. Yes. So she did, you know, get that letter from from what How I could tell from the sources. Um, he was. I would have to go back and do the math, but he was in his early twenties when, when this, all this happened, started. and he was arrested in eighty four. Okay. Well, old enough to still be able to perpetrate. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was kind of wondering if he was like, like really old now, or right. if he had if there's a chance he could reoffend mm-hmm. because he will. For, he oh, gets yeah, absolutely, he will. You don't. Oh, you don't rehabilitate from this. No. You don't keep somebody entrapped and tortured for seven years. Oh, and murder someone else, mind yeah, you. by the way. And then just come out and be like, oh, I'm yep. fine now. Yeah, that prison time really done me good. That blows my mind. Yeah. Janice was given full immunity as a trade for testifying against her husband. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I know. That. I don't like it. I don't like it. I have I all the feels right now about that. I'm not I'm sure. Very conflicting. I told you you're going to vacillate on this balance of right. liking and disliking Janice. She filed for divorce in 1986, mm. so they're no well, longer married. Well, there's a positive. Yeah. Colleen did struggle with life at first, but she was able to move on. She was able to have kids and move forward. She does suffer from shoulder and back ailments oh. from all the hanging and torturing. Mm. Mm-hmm. So she went on and had children? She did. How she old did. is Colleen now? Colleen is 65. Okay. Th- this year. Wow. At the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I really hope she went so then, on to have some kind of joy in her life. Right, right. Yeah, so it, sound, it sounded like she did. Good. Um, yeah, so Cameron and Janice would also be in their 60s, their later 60s. Are you ready for a brain bath? I am so ready. Yeah. I need yes. I need a cleansing. All right. I'll just read you the title from the New York Post. Man sentenced after police find loaded gun in his buttocks during strip search. <laughs> strip search. <laughs> Another hard word to say. It's not every day it's not. you find one of those. Nope. A Louisiana man chose the cheekiest of places when he needed to find a quick hiding spot for his gun. Oh, yeah. I mean, where else are you, you going to put it? Right? It gives the dimensions. Hold on. Justin Savoy, I think. Savoy? I don't know. We don't. His name's Justin. He's 24. He pled guilty to weapons charges after police in the town of Golden Meadow discovered that he had stashed a loaded 25 caliber Titan pistol in his buttocks. Mm. Hold on. 
The New York Post got that information from the smoking gun. <laughs> Which I, I love it. I love it. Police had taken Justin into custody on December 28, 2019, after they responded to suspicious activity in a home he was occupying with a female acquaintance. Cops said they discovered that he possessed a handgun, marijuana, and drug paraphernalia during the initial search. Multiple other firearms were discovered in his truck. Oh, <laughs> I know. Thank you. I thought I was like, trunk. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> in his truck at the scene. You paused enough. I was going to say, is that, don't tell me there was two guns no. up there. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It was in his truck, okay. not his trunk. But as oh. Justin was being uh, strip searched after his arrest, police reportedly found the additional surprise weapon, quote, concealed in his rear end. End quote. Concealed in his mouth. I love it. The pistol is more than four inches long with a two and a half inch barrel. And was that all concealed? Concealed. Ouch. I'm just going to say it. This isn't his first time. <laughs> you, are, you are correct. As, as an owner of a butthole, <laughs> I'm going to say that that's not something that you just shove up there quickly on the go, yeah, without a little practice. I first. don't think I could confidently um, accomplish that just on a whim. Nope, like he nope. knew what he was doing for sure. It's those dimensions were so much not unfamiliar the, to him. The lube came out, <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> oh my goodness! Part of his probation was that he was banned from owning or possessing firearms. So. So he put him up his butt. Yeah, that's where they got him. Possession. Now, was right it a, there in your Was buttocks. it a bend, bend and cough? Was it a squat, touch your toes? It, it or did just, they... I have no squat. I'm going to guess squat and touch your a toes. A squat would have got or him. Or just a bend and snap. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good bend and that snap. That snap must have been a surprise when, when he came back up. <laughs> but well, the scariest part of it, it was freaking loaded. That... I it, mean, that takes some guts. For sure. What? If what a you're, bad place to get listen, shot. What also. if a fart goes wrong and it pulls the trigger <laughs> and you've just shot up your own asshole? What a horrible way to go. I mean, I just... <laughs> some. <laughs> Can you imagine if like, he's like sitting in the cop car all of a sudden? Sometimes it's like, bang. people have risky farts because they think they might shit themselves. This dude was like, no, I really can't. Shoot I could shoot myself. <laughs> It's no longer just the matter of having to change my underwear. It's oh life gosh. or death if I fart right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so there it is. Just when you think you've heard it all. <laughs> I pull out a four-inch, excuse me, four inches long, two-and-a-half-inch barrel up some man's rectum. Loaded. Yep, you did. You went there today. I did. I did. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you keep listening despite the fact that we... Talk about shoving things up asses. <laughs> Quite often. <laughs> yes. All right. We oh. hope you, yeah, follow us on all the socials. If you want to become a Patreon member, that would be wonderful. You'll get all kinds of bonus episodes mm-hmm. and extra content. So check that out. And until next time, guys, we'll see you later. Bye, Bye. guys.